Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Excited for God's Word? I just want to welcome everyone listening online. We're thankful that you're listening. Please come and visit. We like it when you're in the room. We like to see your faces. This morning, we are finishing up our Yours, Mine, and Ours series. Uh, last Sunday, I had to share around the importance of our relationship with discipleship. If you missed that, go online, check it out, because it's important for us to understand that the kingdom of God is not a kingdom where we are merely isolated, but we're a part of the body, we're a part of the church, and we have something to add and to take from each other. So we need to make sure that discipleship, that mentorship is a conviction in our hearts, not just something we do when it's convenient or when someone impresses us so much, we want to learn from them that we continually be discipled. And for our last Sunday around yours, mine and ours, I want to speak on a topic that myself and Pastor Benoit were talking about before this series, and it is our relationship with money. I've shared, I would say, hundreds of offering messages in our church and our youth ministry across the years, if not getting close to well over a thousand. But I haven't spent many Sunday morning services actually talking about the importance of generosity, the importance of finance. And this morning, as we are finishing up this series, I want to actually think about what our finances, what our money, what our trust in God can do and how it can affect every relationship in our life. How we can choose to be a generous person and how we can choose to once and for all make sure that we don't worship our money. If you need a cooler title, here it is. You won't get away with this. It's not a threat. It's a warning. (laughs) That there's some things in our life that are so toxic that even if no one sees them, will eventually decay our soul. Will eventually be a disease that maybe we can put a mask up on a Sunday service. These things are things like humility. These things are teachability. These things are stinginess. These things are maybe a toxic atmosphere in our heart or unbelief or doubt or fear. They're things that we need to deal with. They're the giants that no one sees. But if we don't deal with them, we end up in a horrible place. We won't get away with having them in our hearts. And we need to do everything we possibly can to get them out and move into everything God has for us. So let me read one scripture, then I'll pray, and then we'll get into this thing this morning. In Galatians 6, verse 7 to 10, if you've got your Bible, please turn with me there or tap your way there if you're using your phone. It says this in Galatians 6, verse 7. Have you got it? If you can see it on the screen, say, I've got it. There we go. It says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked, and a man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. Again, not a threat, a warning. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as you have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Last week, Jess shared around our giving and encouraged us with a simple thought to never miss an opportunity to give. 
the scripture, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, is us making a decision in all situations, in all seasons, we are going to sow generously to those around us. I want to cover four different things this morning that I believe you just won't get away with when it comes to finance in your life when it comes to generosity in your life. And I believe that God wants to empower us this morning so that we would be able to receive blessing from God and be a blessing to those around us. In a few weeks, we're coming around our breakthrough offering, which is a moment and an opportunity to sow into God's house, into the grace that we're called to as a church. Do not miss the opportunity to give. So this morning, I want to encourage us around this scripture, around our code that says we are blessed to be a blessing, around a personal code that the Mitchells have up in their house. My last name is Mitchell, if you don't know. Uh, And one of our codes, we will be supernaturally generous. We'll do that in our finance, in our time, and in our heart. When it feels impossible, we'll keep on giving. We'll keep on fighting for people. We'll keep on sowing in. We'll keep on taking those opportunities to be generous and not grow weary in doing good. So let me pray for us this morning and then we'll get into the Word of God. Are you excited? Are you expectant? Is your wallet throbbing in your pocket? Are your fingers white because you're holding on to your finance so strong and... It's going to be a good morning this morning. Let me pray for us. God, it's an honor to be in your house. And we thank you that we serve a good God that gives good gifts to us. We serve a generous God, not a stingy God. We serve a a God that loves cheerful giving because you are a cheerful giver. Even for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. You love to give. You love to sacrifice. You love what it produces. And you love it for us. We pray that we be a generous church, that individually, that our workplaces and our families would see us as people that are generous because we know that you're our provider. Are not fearful when it comes to our finance because we know that you haven't failed us yet. So we pray this morning as we come around this key, this very important thing, this thing that can so easily be an idol in our hearts, in our walk with you, this thing that can be a stumbling block, I pray that the spirit of stinginess leave your church and the spirit of generosity rest upon us. That it be our reputation that Celebration Church is a church that gives so that others can be blessed. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Why don't we thank Alicia Keys. Let's put our hands together. Thank you, Alicia. At camp this week, I got to witness so many different things. Um, I got to witness incredible God moments, but I got to witness, uh, the best way to describe it is the spirit of revenge. Uh, A few people not mentioning any names, Ryan. Um, (laughs) That when pranks occurred across camp, and if you've never uh, heard of a Celebration Youth or Young Adults Camp, uh, it involves... War. It is war. Our sessions are united, and then when it hits 10.30 at night, war breaks out, and it's every man, woman, and child for themselves. Um, people are trying to prank my son, um, my wife. Um, Jeremiah was asleep, and she did that thing where he put his hand in a cup of... No, I'm just joking. Um, But what I got to witness again and again is pretty much no one that got pranked took it on the chin. 
they all stood up and without probably saying the word, said, you will not get away with this. I'm coming for you. There were moments where Ryan had to be held back from charging a girl's cabin and dragging one of them out for punishment. There were moments where Seth Seidel put a covering over his face and ran into one of our leaders' girls' cabins at 3 a.m. and got on a chair and put the smoke alarm on Tester, which just means it rings and it rings and it rings and it rings. And to be quite honest, probably until right now, I, this is the moment where I've stopped just watching my back, like afraid. Even on the last night of camp, I was walking um, down to Joey, who was driving me back to where I was staying, because I stay at least a kilometer away from everyone else to protect my heart um, and my life. Um, and I was walking, and I saw a phone on the ground, so I picked it up, I looked at the message, I was like, oh, this is, this is someone's phone. I called Haley, and Haley's like, oh, that's Tegan's phone. So I went to go give it to her, but moments before I came to that cabin door, uh, Ben Green uh, decided to prank his fiance's cabin by pushing his way in and throwing a fart bomb and then holding the door closed as they all screamed at about 11 o'clock at night. So I came to the door to knock on the door, and I was like, I, I was excited because like everyone had, was afraid of everyone. And I had this moment where I was the good guy. I was like, I've done something amazing. I'm going to look in your eyes. I'm going to be like, I found your phone. She'll be like, oh my goodness, thank you so much, Joe. And I went to knock on the door and all I heard was, no! <laughs> I didn't say anything, just no. I heard Jade say, I've trusted before I trusted Ben and it didn't work. Like there was just all this, <laughs> I've been hurt before, hurt people, hurt people. I saw Tegan's head pop up in, in the bathroom window over off to the side. She's like, Joe, do you really have it? Do you really have it? They won't let me open the door. She's like, show it to me. And I showed it. She's like, oh, my, thank you so much. But they won't let me open the door. And for some reason, Alan was there with a video camera videoing it, which made them think that I was going to prank them. But it was just Alan filming me randomly walking around. Pacey was there. It was very confusing. But there was this kind of thing across camp of like, you're not going to get away with this. There was pranks done on the very first night. Someone's uh, cabin had been glittered, which is just someone just putting glitter everywhere. And no one knew who it was. And then in the morning show, the people running the morning show revealed it was them the whole time. They spent their night pranking everyone. But this thing of you won't get away with it can be so much of a threat. But this morning, I need us to understand that there is a warning from God when it comes to stinginess when it comes to being small-minded, when it comes to finding our provision in ourselves, and when it comes to mismanaging what God has put in our hand, there's a warning for us to be faithful what has been given to us. And if we aren't faithful with it, we cannot expect the results of a faithful person. So we need to make a decision when it comes to our finance that we are going to understand we're not going to get away with certain things. And in the same way, in a positive light, we won't get away with generosity. <laughs> There'll be a repercussion of it. There'll be some, the one that sows generously will reap generously. There's a promise on both sides. And this morning, I pray that you're on the right side of this thing. So the first point of our four points this morning, you won't get away with it, is being stingy. Everyone say stingy. Say, I'm not stingy. I'm not stingy. I'm not stingy. Don't, 
Excuse me. Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 26, in the message paraphrase, every time I hear this scripture, I think of Nat Curtis, who in our very first Love is Our Weapon uh, devotional videos for the love deed, cans in hands. Check out loveisourweapon.com if you don't know what that is. Shared this, this thing, and he said, the world of the generous gets larger, and you do the same with these big muscles, and larger, but the water of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. It's a kingdom key to be generous. If I can, um, Joshua, can I get um, my, my Bolognese photos on the screen that I Facebooked you? Hopefully they are okay, and hopefully they can appear shortly in the coming 10 minutes. Um, but there's all different. When you go to the supermarket, who is the kind of person that's looking for no frills, home brand, black and gold? Do I have any purchases that are that? Okay, a few people. Okay, good. Okay, good. Who are the people that are looking for the most expensive source because for some reason they've added like something random in it? Like at the moment, Arnott's is adding jats into everything. Like you can get chocolate with jats, ice cream with jats, avocados with jats jammed in the side of them. Um, but who are the people that like the finer things in life? Like you are, I'll pay $8 for a bolognese sauce. Okay, that's, that's a few of us. There's a huge important key for us to understand. There is a difference between being frugal and being, oh, there we go, stingy. So we have on the left-hand side at the moment at Coles, half price, not sponsored, which I was, Coles to me a gift voucher. Um, we have a $1.65 half price bolognese sauce right now. And on the right-hand side at Coles, we have this sauce for $6.00. Now, if you go into the supermarket and you choose, you, let's say you're hosting some people over at your house. A lovely, for a married couple, you're having a little, little, little married couple come over to your house and you're going to talk about life and, and you're going to bless them and you're going to make food for them. If you go into the shops and say, okay, I want to I bless these people, but I don't want to waste my money on just this. They're not going to be able to tell the difference. So there's a pretty big financial difference there. And I'm going to get the cheaper one, but in the other areas, I'm going to be generous. I actually want to be able to give them some flowers or I want to give them a gift or I want to sow into their marriage. I want to do something generous. So that is not being stingy. That's being frugal. But if I go into the supermarket and I think, okay, they'll never know. <laughs> I'm going to do the least I possibly can because I want to put the money in my pocket. There's a stinginess about it. Can you be generous and still choose that one? Yeah, but your generosity comes out in a different way. It's a hard issue. And I want us to understand as a church family that there's a difference between being frugal and being stingy, but neither of them are actually being generous. If I have bolognese sauce every single week for a year, that's $4.35 difference over a year. We're talking, this is a $200 decision for me. But the difference here um, is a hard issue. This is just a simple example to be like, okay, are we choosing to be generous people? Are we choosing to sow in generously to those around us? Because we trust that God has it in control, but we make a decision that I'm going to make my world as big as I can by being as generous as I can. If this is a promise from God that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, I want to take it. I want my world to be as big as it possibly can. I don't want it to be my fault that my world is getting smaller and smaller. I don't want to be holding on to every penny, but missing testimonies. 
and missing amazing moments where I, opportunities where I got to sow in, opportunities where I got to not grow weary in doing good. So my thought before we move on to our second point is simply this, a lifestyle of generosity results in a countless collection of testimonies. A lifestyle of generosity results in a countless collection of testimonies. Make a decision that by the time you get to end of 2019, that you're going to have a countless collection of testimonies where you took the moment to be generous and God blessed someone else. I want to get to the, I have two kids at the moment. Jeremiah turned four this week at camp and Ellie's turning two in November. I want one day when I sit down with their their children, my grandchildren, I want to be able to share testimonies of God. Not of my stinginess, but of my generosity because he has been so generous towards me. So church, stinginess, you won't get away with it. It will get smaller and we'll get smaller. The second thing flowing straight on is this. You won't get away with being small. Psalm, 50, uh, Psalm 67 verse 1 to 4 is an amazing psalm that is the basis for pretty much this statement, it is blessed to be a blessing. That I am blessed to bless others. This is the psalm. This is the scriptural basis of that statement for us as a church in our code. It says this, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Do you like the start of that prayer? Can you get on board with that? You get on God, get on board. It's a scripture here. Like God, bless us. Does anyone want to be blessed by God? God wants to bless you. He's not stingy. He gave his son. He wants to bless, he wants to go above and beyond and be sacrificial. The scripture is amazing. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. May the people praise you. God, may all the people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for your rule, the peoples with, uh, huh? Where did I get to? So good. And the next one in the message says this. I want to read this out of the message paraphrase. It says, God, mark us with grace and blessing. Smile. The whole country will see how you work. All the godless nations see how you save. God, let people thank and enjoy you. Let all people thank and enjoy you. Let all far-flung people become happy and shout their happiness because you judge them fair and square. You tend to the far-flung people. God, let people thank and enjoy you. Let all people thank and enjoy you. Earth, display your exuberance. You make us with blessing. Sorry, you mark us with blessing. Oh God, our God, you mark us with blessing. Oh God, earth's four corners, honor him. This scripture goes on a journey. It goes on a journey of saying, God, bless me, firstly, shine your face upon me. When God shines his face upon you, your face shines his goodness. Then when that blessing comes and everyone sees it, they praise him. They receive the reward of you making a decision that I want to be blessed by God. He pours into my life and people bear witness and are blessed. Blessed to be a blessing is a decision that I don't want to just be small. I want to be big. I want to actually move into areas in my life, in my finance, that God, I want you to bless me. I want you to show yourself to be my provider because I'm sick of trying to fulfill that in myself. (laughs) 
You care about every hair on my head, so you must care about my bank account and my fear to do with my finance. I want you to be my provider. I want you to bless me so that the nations can see it. I want you to bless me so that no matter what Koshi says on Sunrise, I stopped watching free-to-air TV four years ago, so I hope, is Koshi still around? Okay, it's all I've got. Um, I get my finance advice from Nara News, stay local. Um, but this simple decision that, God, I want to move into an area and I want you to bless me in such a way that I can be a bigger blessing to those around me. The thought before we move on to our third point is this. Be blessed, be more blessed, be a blessing, be more of a blessing. Be blessed, church, be blessed. Be blessed by God in your finance. Be blessed by God in your health. Be blessed by God in every area of your life. Be more blessed. I pray that God isn't done yet. I pray that you're still hungry for heaven to invade earth. His love, His kindness, His generosity to invade your life. It is not a fantastic testimony to be like, I want more of the world and less of heaven. I want more of heaven. I want more of His peace and His patience. I want Him to pour blessing on me. I want to see His face. I pray it more, and I pray that empowers you to be more of a blessing. More testimonies where you can share of God's goodness and His faithfulness and His provision and His healing. We need to keep on moving ourselves to an open hands, open heart towards God to see what He will do when we are actually hungry for it. Maybe when you first started in your Christian life, God placed inside of your heart that He'll provide for you and He'll protect you. That it, that it should result in generosity in my belief, 100%. If I believe that God has saved me and healed me, that, I, that He has me, that He has a path and a plan for me, that His, His uh, plan for me is to give me a hope and a future. There are so many scriptures that speak of God doing it better than I could do it by myself. Maybe that resulted in moments of generosity. You went to a cafe and you're like, I want to buy someone a coffee. But maybe that was back when you were 16 or 15 and a coffee was a big sacrifice. I pray that now, 10, 15, 5, 1 year, 50 years later, that as you have grown in God, that your generosity has increased as well. Because what was generous when you were 15 is now stingy when you're 30. Because when I first started coming to our youth ministry and Nat Curtis continually took us, took us out for McDonald's breakfast. We had McDonald's, we came out here and worshipped and he dropped us off at school. Me and Andy Dodd all the time. I remember it once, but I'm sure it happened more than that. Um, Andy told me it happened times where I wasn't invited. I think they were intimidated by my pitch perfectness when it came to worship. I think when they worship with me, they... they they open their eyes and they turn to me and they're like, that is amazing. I'm in awe of that. Um, so, um, but those acts of generosity and then growing up in our youth ministry where it's just norm that you don't ask your kids for petrol money. <laughs> like, like it's a norm that it's after youth. I want to take you out to Mac because I want to bless you. But what was generous when I was 15 or 16 starting off as a connect leader is no longer generous when I'm 30. So I want to continue to move myself. I don't want to be small. I want to keep on being bigger. I want to keep on challenging myself when it comes to generosity. Because I don't want just on my wall it to say that we want to be supernatural, supernaturally generous. I want it to be in my Monday and my Tuesday, before tax time, after tax time, when my Optus bill is way too high. In all of those different seasons, I want to be someone that is hungry to be big. And that only happens through being open to God to keep on pouring into our lives. 
Maybe some of us are living in a past season of generosity and we need to prayerfully consider what is generosity now. Me and Alex used to have this account that we had. It was called our generosity account. And we would give our tithe, we'd give our offering to church. But this was an account every week where we would put $50 in and this was our acts of generosity. We wanted to go to a cafe and, and pay for someone's table and, and never tell them or see someone that was in need and bless them. But what unfortunately happened constantly is this account ran at zero. Like God led our hearts to places that our little budget didn't handle. And now we don't have a generosity account. We have a credit card. Uh, and that's what we used to be generous and then prayerfully believe that God is going to provide even after the fact. <laughs> so what was once generous of us paying for coffees is now God leads us into a restaurant and places on our heart a couple of tables. And we're like, God, we're saving for a house right now. And this happens when me and Ellie, me and Ellie have been going out for breakfast dates at Five Little Pigs, just the two of us. We leave Jem at home because he eats too much. And we just sit, Ellie just drinks her water with a fork, which I think is hilarious, um, and eats half a marshmallow. Um, but I'm unsupervised. And when I'm unsupervised, all I've got is God. Um, so I don't have like someone else isn't holding my cards or my wallet. It's just me. And there's just these moments where God just put someone on my heart, like go pay for that person. Just, just go do that thing. And it is, I'm so blessed that it's bigger than when I was 16, that I've kept on going with God and I've kept on believing that I'm blessed to bless others. And I want to do it more. If one day we want to give houses away as a church, it starts somewhere. If one day we want to have a retreat for pastors to come and receive their in burnout, it starts with a $100 voucher and us sewing into their marriage. It starts somewhere, but let's not stay small. Let's keep on moving forward. Because I'll say it again, what was once generous to you could be stingy today. Maybe some of us need to get a little bit uncomfortable when it comes to this. Where when we go to McDonald's drive through our default is can I pay for the car behind me? When we're at the groceries and someone's fumbling over their groceries, we're like, can I actually just pay for you? And not like slip them a celebration church card. Just do it because you're a generous person. That your default is you hear there's a need in our church and you don't ask for someone else to do something about it. You're like, I see that need. I'm going to do something about that. Default generosity. So good. Number three is this. Security. You won't get away with putting your security in what you can control. You won't get away with putting your security in what you can control. If you got your Bible, turn me to Proverbs 3, verse 21. Say, got it when you've got it. It says this, Proverbs 3, verse 21, My child, don't lose sight of common sense. Everyone say, common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need to not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security. We've got more of that, I'm pretty sure. It says, He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to help them. Do not withhold good from those that deserve it when it is in your power to help them. 
That word deserve is a loophole for some of us. Oh, they don't deserve it. Are they generous? If they're breathing, they deserve God. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Speaking of the importance of seizing the day, taking the moment and actually realizing that you could probably be the answer to someone's prayer. But it's really important to realize here that the Lord is our security. My bank account is not my security. My investment portfolio is not my security. My wage is not my security. My security is the Lord. He was my security when I was 16, running a rag business, making the dollars, and he'll be my security when I'm 50. The Lord is my security. I make the decision that I will not attempt to be my own security or my own provider because I know it will catch up with me. I know if I live my whole life based on what I think I can and cannot do, I'll probably just stay who I already am. And I'm pretty good, but I think I can be better. I think I want to keep on growing. I think I want to build my security, my trust in my provider and my protector. I want to build my life upon who he is and what he says. The last thought before we move on to point number four is simply this. I am not my provider. God is my provider. Church, you need to understand that. If you've got a mortgage or if you've been doing this thing for longer than a couple of days where you get your first paycheck and spend it all on licorice, I don't know what young people do these days. I am not my provider. Men, you are not the provider for your household. God is. Submit yourself to God. You can only provide so much. He can do a lot, lot more. So position yourself not to be hungry for money because you've got mouths to feed, but trust that God had it. He gave you the kids. He can help you feed the kids. <laughs> I am not my provider. I am not my provider. He is my provider. I hold on to the fact that he is my security, that he is the rock I can build my life on. I will not build my life on what I can control. I will not build my life on what I can manipulate or what I can work out. I will build my life on the security that he gives me as a son or a daughter. Because if I want to give Jeremiah good gifts on his birthday, God wants to give us good gifts too. If I want to give him Forky from Toy Story 4, a $39 toy that does nothing. <laughs> I mean, make some noises, I guess. How much more does God want to provide for you? I think we get a little bit nervous sometimes when it comes to asking God for blessing and provision. And I think we just forget how much of a joy it is for a father to give kids gifts. Like Alex has to monitor me. Like, if you let me loose, I'm just like, Jeremiah needs that. He needs that bike. He needs that right now. Because I just love giving gifts. I love it. God loves it a lot more. Do you think he doesn't want to provide for you or protect you or shine his face upon you so that you can be a witness and a testimony? Don't be ridiculous. The perception you have of God is very, very wrong. He wants to bless you. And it's not so that you're wealthy and rich and so that you can be secure in yourself. It's so that you can bless others. 
It's so that you're not chasing what Koshi's telling you to chase and you're chasing Jesus and he's first and he's the most important thing. So if you're stressed about your finance, just come back to God and be like, God, why am I stressed about something that you promised me you would provide me for? Okay, now there's a thing called Four Sermon Joel. And what happens sometimes on a Sunday or different days during the week, I preach a few sermons and I get to this point a few weeks ago where Ford Sermon Joel came out. He's pretty loose. Um, he's pretty honest. His filters have now gone down. He, his eyes are a little bit blurry. He can't see the faces that are angry at him. And he, he, he's quite honest. You're about to enter Four Sermon Joel uh, or Ten Sermon Joel. Uh, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Don't clap yet. Um, I just believe that there's a moment right here where God can realign some of our hearts. And, and I want to speak into the thought of uh, not being someone that goes from mismanagement to miracle to mismanagement to miracle. So point number four is mismanagement. But if you need another S because they're all S's, point number four is stupid. To be stupid is to have to lack intellect or common sense to walk through life oblivious to what's going on, to be stupid. I pray in Jesus' name that when it comes to your finance that you are not stupid. And not just stupid to common sense, but I pray that you're not stupid when it comes to the kingdom of God. I pray that you don't misunderstand that if you hold all your finance to yourself that your world will get smaller. I pray that you understand that the kingdom of God is a generous kingdom. I shared this thought with our leaders. Uh, someone asked Caleb and Layla, our amazing guest speakers who were with us for most of camp, asked this question, like, if you're struggling to spend time with God, like, what should you do? And, and advice was given. And I just said, for me, if there's moments where I feel like I need breakthrough, I go manic. So if I'm, like, struggling to read, like, a chapter of the Word, I, I just need to get into it. I need to submerge myself in the Word of God. I just be like, okay, it's time to read the Bible, like, front to back, like now. Like Pastor James and Benaiah were away about 18 months ago, both at the same time. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll read the Bible while they're away for two weeks. And spent 11 days, it's out here. The phone was ringing. I couldn't hear it. I had headphones on. But just reading the Word of God and submerging myself into what the very thing I was struggling to do, I wanted to push all the way in. So when I got to the end of it, I was like, okay, yeah, now it's a bit easier. Not like, oh, just try and I'll give God one minute. I'll read the verse of the day on the app and eventually he'll help me. I think when it comes to generosity, some of us need to go a little bit manic for a second. We need to make a decision. I will not be stingy. I will not let my testimony to my children be that I was stingy. So I'm throwing myself in. God, put it on my heart. When I walk down the street, if that person needs finance, you tell me. You give it to me and go through me because I want to get my hands filthy with your kingdom. I don't want you to do it. I don't just want to watch you do it. I want to get in there. Give me the 50. I'll give them the 50. Like, give me the pineapple. That's what you call a $50 note because it's yellow. Give me the pineapple and I'll give them the pineapple. We need to not be stupid to the things of God. We need to understand what he has for us. We need to not build our life on the wrong things and wonder when the storms come why we get afraid. Matthew 25 says this. Speaking of a master giving three different amounts, I believe five, two, and one. 10, 5, and 1. 
bags of gold to three different servants and he goes away and the three of them respond in different ways. It says this, a few of them are generous, two of them bring back double and we get to the third one and it says this, the one that did nothing, the one that did nothing with what was given in their hands. This isn't just speaking of uh, any kind of currency. This is bags of gold. Like we're actually talking about finance. The master saying back, when, uh, well then, you should have put my money in deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Sounds like this guy was a little bit not smart. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a parable. It represents layered things here. It is in the book of Matthew. Matthew is a Jew speaking to Jews. I can't go into all the depth of what this scripture means, but we need to understand a very important key here. God is interested in you not being stupid with what is placed in you, whether it be because of fear whether it be because I'm being frugal and masking my stinginess, that I need to be someone that is making the decision that I am not going to, the last word is this, I refuse to live from mismanagement to miracle. Some of us are constantly in this state of just believing God for a miracle because we spent $30 this week on filler to fish burgers at McDonald's. And like, God, I need a miracle right now. I can't pay this bill. Where did it come from? I know it comes on the 12th of every month, but it's a surprise to me. Is it from the devil? On the 12th, the devil visited me with his $100 phone bill. We don't need to move from mismanagement to miracle. I do believe we should move from miracle to miracle, but I don't believe there should be a lack of faithfulness in between. I don't, believe, I don't believe there should be fear in between. I do believe that God's called you to live a supernaturally blessed life. In every area, especially finance, because it's so easy to chase that. I want to chase God in such a way that I know that he'll provide every single one of my needs and I'll refuse to mismanage what he has given me. And especially I refuse to live by the standards of this world instead of the standards of this kingdom. I'll be smart when it comes to my finance. I'll be smart when it comes to the things of God. If simply, if I came to you and said, we're going to audit your finance, I had this a little while ago when I was a student. Centrelink audited me. They came for every single penny and tuppence and nickel and cryptocurrency. I'm just trying to cover all my bases. And they went through, okay, all this money, this is what, this is what you're given. This is what you declared when you were working. This is what you did over here. This is what, where did that money come from? Who gave you that money? What was it? Did someone, how did you get that? Did, and all those kind of things. And that is a reminder for me in different seasons to be like, okay, if I was to take a step back and look at my finance and audit it, what does it say about me? What does it say about my generosity? And you've probably heard this thought before, but just take a second, just, just be open, just be humble, just think right now, what does your finance say about you? Can, can you see God's fingerprints on it? And not just what you're spending it on, but what you're believing for Him to pour in. Can you see Him on it? Was it you? 
You look at your finances like, this is me, God. This is my service back to you. Or did you let him really provide for you? Did you put yourself, there's been seasons in my life when I was at Bible college, I just said, God, I want you to give me more money this year than I can make. And I was working still. I was subcontracting. I got my dad's business off the ground when it came to online stuff. But I just like, God, I want you to bless me. I want you to show me in this season where everyone around me says that I'm going to be poor, I want you to show me that you can provide. That happened when I was 17, where I, where I got some money given to me to start a business. And I was like, God, do I need to buy a car with this right now? He's like, no, sew it in here. And then that day, my grandfather called me and said the exact same amount, $10,000, I want to give to you. We'll call my mom. I want to give to him to buy a new car. He just showed me that he provides. So now I don't need to be afraid as a 29-year-old building a house because he did it before. He'll do it again. And he did it with the little things before, and he's going to do it with the big things. And then those things will look little in my next season, and he'll do another big thing. And I'll keep on growing. Because the water of the generous gets larger and larger. So if I can make these convictions strong and good and healthy, he's going to keep on doing what he does. So to recap, it's this. The first thing is stingy. We need to have a lifestyle of acts of generosity. The second thing, we won't get away with being small. We need to be hungry to be blessed and to be a blessing to those around us. The third thing, security. We need to trust in God as our provider. Do you really trust him? Fourth thing is this. Don't mismanage. Be faithful with what is in your hand today. The big idea, the point of today's message was really simple. You won't get away with building any part of your life on a Jesus replacement. You won't get away with building any part of your life on a Jesus replacement. Positively and negatively, there will be a reward for your action. I was going to ask us to close our eyes. I'm going to welcome uh, our worship leaders onto the stage as well. We're just going to finish in response to God in a moment of worship. I'd like to thank everyone listening online. Have a fantastic week. We're going to have a moment in here together. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.